from 55 yards away. Boswell. No good. What is happening here? From 64, McManus missed it. And the Seahawks are going to win this game. Good morning, everybody. Beautiful day, and welcome to Speaking of Sports. This is Al Harris, the old coach, along with Chaz, the whiz kid, Grimley, and Chuck runs the show, Grimley. Look, <laughs> well, look, right. look above his head. You can see that <laughs> yeah. right on the wall there. Yeah. I have no official name, by the way, everybody. Well, there. we'll change it every week. We'll and see it, what you and, and it is Wednesday. It's not hey, Friday, right? There you go. Crazy yeah. Wednesday, whatever. Talk about but, crazy. Uh, the NFL endings were so Talk crazy, we had crazy. to get the show in earlier this week. Yeah, this time of the year yeah. with the full freight, you know, with the high school, college, and, and pro things, a lot of crazy situations. And I guess unbelievable weekend would be the best way to start off. And Chuck, uh, well, get us going. Listen. Baseball. Oh, by the way, excuse me. Yep. And Jim, our producer, I forgot. The I'm best. Sorry. The very, very best. He is the best. Um, as Jerry Blavitt would say. I don't know how Major League Baseball, the the guys in the C-suite, um, and it is Madison Avenue, New York, by the way. I've been there. I don't know how the crew watch. And the ratings are down on TV. I won't go into the whole thing because they're streaming and other ways of measuring baseball interest, okay? But TV ratings are down. Attendance is down. Uh, and do I agree when people say Major League Baseball has a huge problem? I don't agree with with that comment. I do agree that baseball has a lot of issues, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But how baseball watches pro football and college football and doesn't think, oh, boy, what are we going to do to compete with this? I mean, first of all, Bud, you've got all the fantasy stuff going on. You've got gambling shows, so you know everybody's putting their $25 bet on someone. Please be careful, kids. What a trap. We'll do that at another show at another time. Please be careful about this gambling. Yeah, let's let's stay on the first topic you yep, said, yep. Um, the viewership. And to really to, to simplify it, I mean, football and baseball, you almost can't even compare them because baseball is so diluted over 162 games. Um, versus football once once a week, and just in general, the excitement of football. How many th- games come down to to the last play, 14, that last drive? Fourteen. You don't see that in baseball. Um, and just additionally, the fact that baseball, you have all this you know fan noise in the background. You're seeing the players in. Inter- I'm sorry, in football, you see all this background noise. You see you see the the quarterback pointing stuff out versus baseball. What are you looking at? A guy <laughs> digging his feet out, chewing his gum uh, and, and redoing his batting gloves in the, in the box 45 times over. I, I mean, just, just to recap quickly to Chad's point, just quickly. And I, I know people don't like a long list of names, but great TV games, college football last weekend, Bama 2019 over Texas, almost an unbelievable upset at home, the Texas coach and some of the decisions he made, we could jump into that. Marshall upends Notre Dame. Shame on Notre Dame, 26-21. Comes down to the end. Washington State, 17-14 over. Whiskey, that's insane. Texas Tech, two overtimes on TV over Houston. BYU, 
two overtimes, 26-20, Baylor. Tennessee Pitt, OT. Appalachian State beats Texas A&M, 17-14. Seven unbelievable endings, three major upsets, 20-point underdogs, and that's before the pro TV card. Eagles-Lions, three-point game, and, and the Saints and Steelers-Bengals. Uh, Colts-Texans, Giants-Titans, they go for the two-point conversion. And last but not least, the Seahawks and the Broncos on the miss 64 yard field goal. I don't know how baseball looks at that. It's like it's scripted. It's like the college and NFL games on TV have been preordained to this ridiculous ending. 20-point underdogs going to beat uh, number six team at home, and they show you it hasn't happened for 48 years. What's the one reason it is happening, Coach Al? One word. One word is portal. Oh, wow. And the other word in front of it is transfer, transfer portal. And with NCAA rules where you can just transfer now and move in. And when the coach from Oklahoma goes to USC and X amount of players come with him and it's going on all over the place and the Alabama game – you think it was most of the people like me, where 98% were hoping Alabama got beat. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, you, uh, you've been doing your homework. The quarterback, Appalachian State, the guy that used to play at Clemson, Chase, Bryce, me and my names, right? The guy for uh, Marshall that upended Notre Dame, Columbia, if you will, Texas Tech, these guys that have played – not necessarily at the top zenith level of D1 college football, but in the big programs that are dropping down to, to the lesser known but D1 programs and they're stars, you know, big fish in a small pond. And it's it gives that underdog the uh, ability to upset, you know, a team that's in the top 15. Now it's becoming common and go look at the quarterback stats the kid for marshall uh columbia is 40 for 47 so far this year <laughs> well the amazing <laughs> thing is chuck you don't even recognize these names because they were second or third string quarterbacks exactly clemson and this and that you've never heard their names before and all of a sudden they see the handwriting of the wall and i'll give you even though you had to sit a year our local guy joe flacco yeah went to pitt he was behind a guy named Tyler Palco that was a sophomore, and Joe saw the handwriting on the wall, went to Delaware, sat a year, and had a great career, and has done super well in a pro career. So Let's, let's talk about that ending that, that Jimmy queued up. Great, great catch by Jimmy. How on earth do you try to kick a 13% 64-year-old, Wizzle, correct me if I'm off base, field goal versus a 44% Wizzle? Yeah, let, let me give that background yep. here. So. Yep. Trailing by one point, the Seattle Seahawks are, are facing the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are down by one point, facing third and 14 from their 45-yard line. They get a nine-yard gain, leaving fourth down and five yards to go with one minute, four seconds left in the game. Now, the Broncos got up slowly. They didn't run up to the line. They didn't work in a no-huddle. They just casually let that clock tick down to about 20 seconds, and then they called a timeout. That decision itself was was very questioned by a lot of people and then what did they do they send out their kicker brandon mcmanus comes out for a 60 yard field goal attempt now to his credit he did almost make it um it's probably a really good attempt considering how far he was but the decision the coach hackett's decision to let that clock run down and make that move by really everyone in 
itself included now is considered very, very bad decision. Why? Well, A, the Broncos signed Russell Wilson this offseason, or traded for him, and they gave him a huge contract. You know, he has, I believe, a $242 million contract, and in that case, fourth and five, about a 42% chance of converting. And if they convert that fourth and five, they have almost a 70% chance of scoring three or more points, which is essentially winning the game. So there's roughly a 30% chance they win that game. Instead, they go for a 14% 64-yard field goal, which would be the second longest in NFL history if they made it. And something that their kicker, McManus, really doesn't have in his arsenal, if you look at his history, uh, his longest field goal was 61 yards. Yeah, so Brandon McManus, his career, 53% from 50-plus yards. Justin Tucker's at 73% from 50-plus yards. Well, Maybe the move makes sense with with Tucker kicking, yeah, somebody not, else. Not, maybe not McManus though. Yeah, not to mention, you know, stats be damn right. Um, the you got a guy in Wilson who has the second highest fourth quarter passing rating of all time. He's had thirty two game winning drives. He's got the extra added mojo being back, you know, in, in the stadium. Um, talk about clueless in Seattle. I mean, what's what's Hackett? Just you know, here's a guy Hackett. Okay, starts his career way back uh, in Tampa as a uh, a quality control guy, and all of his he, he graduates to higher levels, but it's always on the offensive side of the ball. Becomes offensive coordinator. He's Jacksonville, Green Bay, Denver head coach. The guy spends his entire career college nfl running designing strategic offensive plays he of all he he knows the stats on fourth and five coach i mean this is not a defensive coordinated turned head coach that doesn't trust the offense right i almost had a feeling that half of their thought process was we're going to run the clock down so that we don't give the ball back after we kick the field goal. I mean, I think they weren't thinking positive. And for Russell Wilson, to, and he's getting from the sideline, to let that clock go down, like Chad said. I told you. And they, they still had a timeout left, I think. Yeah. And yeah. now you're making it be well, there. I'm, what, I'm sorry, kid. Finish up there. I think he had... If he, if he hadn't let that clock run down and had a quicker play, they could have ran another play. Yeah. Be- I'm, regardless of what they... Were to whatever they ran at the time, their passing and running efficiency for the game was more net yards per play than they needed. So you, one could say, regardless of what he called, they were averaging over the first down distance. Okay, so you almost could go wrong in that sense. But I mean, would I trust? Russell Wilson on fourth and yeah, I mean, I mean it's not like they were stopping him. Don't forget they they fumbled twice inside the the two yard line, something like that. So the score should have been you know worse than it was. I mean it it, it was probably the worst call, and I've seen a lot of bad calls in t- in the Tennessee game. Uh, the I forget their head coach's name, Tennessee Titans. Uh, is it not Tanner? Is that, is that variable? Or? It, yeah, he. He spikes the ball twice from the, like, 28-yard line, which leaves a 47- or 44-yard field goal when he has time to move the ball up on two running plays and then spike it. Coach, would you rather kick a 45-yard field goal to win the game 
or would you like to say to your field goal kicker, who's a good one, there you go, go get it, hit a chip shot from 32 yards. What's the psychology like with a field goal kicker who tees it up from 50, and I know they hit him from 50 all day long, but the stats do go fall off a cliff, right, bud? I don't know if they fall off a cliff, okay. but they get, no, they get, they get, they get worse, but they're not like they, now, maybe. they fall you off give a cliff. me any wiggle room, Jimmy, at all. They, they get worse. This yeah. is the point. Um, now, I don't know that game, how much time is left or what they could have done. You could have moved the ball up another 10 I yards. I only assume the coach was afraid of a fumble, Yeah, and, and that's why that's, he didn't do that's, it. That's chicken shit uh, coaching right there. Or man. he thought his guy was really good from 50. I don't know what who this kicker is or what his stats are from 50-plus yards. Maybe he felt really confident in him. You're playing against a coach just, just went for a two-point conversion to win the game. That was a crazy play. And now you're, not, you're going to give your guy a 44, 47-yarder instead of trying to move the ball up. If, if you look at some of the stuff that Frost for Nebraska did, not to jump on him now that he's down and out, but I happened to watch two of those games. We were down the shore for the first one. Onside kicks and stuff where it didn't make any – it's just stuff you watch and you're thinking, what's he doing? And, you know, it illuminates itself more in football than it does baseball, right? These are more magnanimous, these gaffes, these things you can't believe. Time management every week – you know, Pete and I used to text back and forth. Why are they letting the clock? Reed used to let the clock run. He's a good game manager. But he used to let the clock run down at the end of the first half instead of wanting the ball back. So they beat the 20-yard line, third down, a minute 40 and running. And he had two timeouts. And it, it just let it bleed down. Or sometimes stop it at 38 seconds. Why didn't you stop it at a minute 40 to get the ball back? Because <laughs> you could score. You see that every week. I don't. Well, don't you think the Detroit, pe- Detroit people, when he Camel had the onside kick, it depends on how the defense is. And the way they kicked that ball up in the air, the Eagles had a man right there. Oh, that was terrible. You that can, you, even if that was your thought coming out at halftime, but if you saw the way the Eagles' defense was on it, you called it off. Let's talk Eagles football. It's time we get there, right? So uh the, the last year these two teams played you know what 11 months ago whatever it was 44 to 6 loss uh philly and detroit this year it's 38 35 in once again there's a one word answer what is the one word that defines the difference between 44 6 and 38 5 if you had to pick one word tackling i, I would say it's defense there's kind of a lack of defense on all sides here yeah the, i think the answer is swift who last year carried the ball 12 times for 27 yards 2.1 how about this year he carries the ball 15 times for 150 yards of rounding here pretty much same personnel uh detroit had the exact same skill position guys receivers and running back quarterback what's the what's the big difference that you just said tackling um, is that it? Is that why this well, guy goes off for 150 yards? That's part of it. And I think that as soon as you see the poor tackling, you think about the Eagles' lack of preparation in the preseason where they're not hitting and so forth. So, uh, And Swift's a hell of a back. In fact, Chad and he have something in common. Yes, they do. We do. Yeah. Went to the same high school, Oats right? went to the prep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the closest I'll ever get to that guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, Swift goes 15 for 144 for 9.6. When you, when guys that are into stats like like we are see that type of stuff, the first question that jumps off the the page here 
is why didn't they run Swift more? If I got a guy 15 for 144, 96, you better believe he ended the game with 25 carries. I know they trailed. You know what the nonsense is about we trailed? And I want to put this out there for the first time ever. Anybody, once again, 609-828-5569. This week, I know my Marion said, God, oh, right. you you've come a long Marion way. Marion said, you got to know your cell phone number. <laughs> I said, I do. I did. It's like when he asks you a question on Jeopardy. You know you know it, but you just lose And continuity. let me tell you, folks, he, I suggested he write it on the back of his yeah. hand, and he didn't. I'm proud yeah, of him. Yeah, it's not the first or last time I'll forget <laughs> something. Uh, but, I, oh, God, do I remember my point? I do. People say, well, we're running the heck out of the ball because the Eagles have this lot with Sanders, okay? Look at some of their uh, games last year, losses, where Sanders averaged nine yards per carry, and they stopped. And the answer you hear Eskin say, oh, they trailed by 14 points. They had to pass the ball. If your passing efficiency is less than your running efficiency and ratios across the board, tell me, Coach, why you have to all of a sudden pass back in instead of continuing to mix the run in. I know you just can't pull the old Steelers run on every single down against a nine-man front, but why do you abandon the run game as the Eagles do all the time with Sanders? They did it Sunday. I think Sanders' stats were unbelievable, but I think he had... Nine, have, 96 yards. Yeah, how many carries? 12? 12, I believe. Yeah. He, he never is 22. Now they're going to say, oh, that's because he's a small back and he's hurt all the time. Not true. Look up the stats. Oh, that's because he fumbles a lot. I think his fumbles are 9 in 562 carries. That's- I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just because they, they use Kenneth Gainwell and Boston, Boston Scott a lot. I mean, Kainwell had five that was carries. Last year. Scott right. had five, four carries. But right. Jalen also ran the ball 17 times. Yeah, he ran. He a lot of those are scrambles. That's no between all those. That's seventeen plus thirteen is thirty. But thirty-nine total carries. That's a lot. Yeah, for, but you don't want Hurts. Wouldn't you rather have your workhorse Sanders? And I mean, Hurts running the ball that much. He's going. It's, to, it's too much at seventeen carries. That's way too much. Hurts oh, should be between five and ten probably. And I like to see Sanders closer to twenty, uh, because every time Sanders does touch the ball, his runs the pass. I mean, he's been a great just yards per per carry or attempt guy. A really high number his whole career and it started off really good last week yeah. well i think sanders has to be your primary back and he's the man and he's fighting for a contract after this year and he's put on like 10 pounds of muscle he's like 210 215 he can and a great play the play of the game when he looked like he was stymied and then he he's just been so disrespected oh I, I, hear, I agree i hear the radio guys at the 10 o'clock show and they're, they're you know condescending constantly in the offseason about Sanders. This is a guy at 5.2 yards per carry. Look it up. Look up Jim Brown, Gale Sayers, whatever great running back all time. Don't look up Franco Harris. I could give you 15 guys. Don't look up. They're 4, 3, 9, 4, 6. Chubb, right now, for his career, 5-2 also. That's the guy that matches Sanders at 5-2. 5-2 is Gale Sayers, OG, uh, all the great running backs aren't 5-2, but he is. So what am I missing? Why why does Sanders not get the accolades he deserves? I know he's been – if you miss three games because of injury out of a 17-game schedule, 16 and past, there's nothing tilted about that. 
No, but I think their their mentality is that the games that he missed last year, they really, you know, the great offensive line, they had good statistics running with Scott and Gamewell and so forth, and they and they stayed with that theory at, with the rotation. But Sanders has got to be your premier back and get at least 15 carries. Here's one of your statistical anomalies, bud. Take the, the last two years. Last year, the Eagles were the number one rushing team in the NFL. Few know that. At Twenty-seven, fifteen total rushing yards for four point nine. That's mostly Sanders. Convert that to where Sanders ranks coach in attempts per game, and he drops out of like the top twenty-five. Yeah. Take the other running backs, Henry, etc., that are right there with Sanders. And go look at their yards per game and attempts per game, and it's aligned with their total yards of the team. So the Eagles, the last two years, to be more poignant, have had a great resource in Sanders and underutilized him when he was healthy on the field a lot. I just want to put that out there. Oh, no, you're right. And it happened Sunday. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Let the guy carry the ball 22 times and not and, – don't give Hurts. I know he's got the run pass throw going on and all that stuff, but I think he's looking to run too much, and he can't run at that level. It it depends. If you look at, like, last year, Lamar Jackson, he had 133 attempts, and Hurts had 139. Now, Hurts played a couple more games. Do you want him to beat Jackson? Uh, if Jalen Hurts was Lamar Jackson, man, I'd absolutely take that. What happens to Jackson in the playoffs? They stymie that. Good defenses bottle Jackson up. Look at his playoff. You have playoff postseason. I'm not not right up in front oh, of me. Oh, but not I, right in front of him. Yeah, no, I think this. You the, know where the, I was going. I think the point is though, if you could know, if Jalen Hurts right now was Lamar Jackson, I don't think anyone would complain about that talent if that's what he became. Well, you got to have a guy that throws the ball seventy percent, sixty-seven percent. Well, he has to throw better. That's true. But if he can get his throwing up to sixty in the mid sixties and still have the ability to run, then you're looking at a very yeah. elite quarterback. I, I think we're actually saying the same thing here. You don't want to see him run that much like last week, right? No, he shouldn't be running okay. that many times per right. game. I so, think they should use Sanders so, more. Yeah, so if you trade off those plays for Sanders' increased carries, you got a better model at Sanders' numbers. Probably, yeah, yeah. although Hurts averages more than Sanders' But he's and going he to will, yeah, you know, because he's a quarterback running open around. Open field running, yeah. Pick your spots. Um, yeah, last year he even had more yards, which they shouldn't shouldn't happen. You know, you're running back; they should use him more um, than they do. But they they like using you know Boston Scott back there and, and Gainwell, and it's tough to break that when they have those yeah. three good running backs. And you know, it wonders what it might do about Sanders' psyche because he had zero touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. That's got to bug him a little bit if he's in there yeah, and see, all of a sudden they're handing yeah, off to Scott. Yeah, that's funny. I never put any emphasis on him whatsoever because I don't care if, if it's fourth and uh, five inches that they don't give the ball to Sanders there. Bring, bring in the, the other two backs that are bigger, tougher, stronger. Yeah, I mean, it, you know what the goal line defenses look like, Coach. You, you, you see it. You wonder how. I mean, nowadays where the guys are all 350 and they all bunch in and it's fourth of the yard, it, it used to be, oh, run the ball. You look at that now and you go, how are you going to get the yard? It is, the goal line defenses look like Well, see, I, I could agree with that, especially when they had Jordan Howard. He would yeah. get power back down there. But Scott and Gamewell aren't are they any, bigger? any bigger than Sanders. And I'll tell you, Sanders ran harder a couple. Of, and you know the other criticism 
that's nonsense on the radio. He dances too much. Let me ask you something. You can shake round and roll, my man. If you average 5.2 yards per carry, do I care? If you drop the bat flat to the ground before you swing it, a la DeCallon, do I care? All right? I mean, results care. Yeah, results. I don't care if Sanders dances. What, what yeah, a nonsensical point on the radio when they say he dances too much. But he averages 5.2 yards per carry. What the heck does that mean? Yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty bad point that they're trying to make there. I mean, LaShawn McCoy danced around a lot. It's called him shady for a reason. I think Sanders is Barry similar. Sanders, I think, danced pretty well. Yeah, just to move around. I mean, look who the guys – you're going up against guys who are you know, 6'6", 330 pounds. Like, they're not exactly easy to get around. You have to dance around them and – and he's doing a great job at that. So as long as his results are there, yeah. then you know that should be the focus, that he's averaging over five yards a carry for his career, which is which is really phenomenal. Al did that number one draft pick uh, for Detroit playing in game uh, for Michigan, I think he was. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson. He was played the whole game. He, he didn't, I don't believe he had any sacks, but he created situations you know, you where they would, do, he would double him sometimes. You yeah. don't miss a thing. You I, don't try, miss a I thing. try not to. What was his name again, full name? Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson was drafted number one by Detroit from? Michigan. Michigan. I wonder how many people that call themselves really smart, attentive football fans could recite what you just did. Well, I'm the Sage's <laughs> twin brother that you used to have. <laughs> you see fans, oh, God, let's go back to that. If, if there's one bad omen for the game, Last year, Detroit was 19th in rushing at a measly 100 yards per game, and they went nuts against the Eagles Sunday. What are they going to do when they're facing the good rushing teams, right? Which, by the way, Minnesota is one of them. They have a hell of a back, right? Minnesota's offense is very strong. Yeah. A lot of good good names on that. And yet the Eagles are favored this week. You, are you, do you find that to be a bit out of killer? Well, that's the Eagles a little, are home, I assume. Yeah, they're they home. They'd be favorites at home. Yep. Well, that's down to like a half a point now. So if you do the three points for the home thing, actually Minnesota at a neutral site would be a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I I think that makes sense. I think think it does make some sense kind of there at Eagles at home. Yeah, Minnesota on the road. I think Minnesota's going to win, though. I do think they're going to win. I just think that the Eagles' defense looked so bad last week and the weapons that that they had. Now you're going to face – you know, it's a better team overall. I don't think we're going to put up 38 points against them. So we have a lot of a lot of work to do on defense there to stop stop, stop some of those names, and that's that may not be easy coming off last week's defense against Mr. Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson, he'll torch you a couple times. <laughs> he had a great great week last year. He's he's proven to be right now one of the best receivers in football. No doubt about it. Can we just talk a little bit about uh, Kansas City and the show that they put on without that top receiver? I mean, was that absolutely crazy? Um, <laughs> he had like nine receivers in play. Um, he was what was he? Pay? He was thirty for thirty-nine. Um, Five quarter, touchdowns. Quarterback rate of one forty-four. I mean, Arizona. Some people picked to go to the Super Bowl. How embarrassing, right? What he all got? that money for Mister Murray? How about that? How that was in Arizona too, wasn't it? I believe it, yes, was. it was Arizona. Yeah, they got embarrassed. What an annihilation. That is unbelievable. Sign that guy to that kind of money. And it, what's the speech through the Kansas City lost the receiver? Uh, they lost um, Terry Kill. 
Tyreek Tyreek Hill. Yeah. He's over on the Dolphins now. Who he said Tua was a better quarterback. I'm pretty right. sure Tua missed them wide open a couple times. Right, and or he threw it right into the ground. Right. He had made the statement that yeah. Tua was more accurate. Yeah, than Mahomes. Than Mahomes, which is just insane. And then Kansas City picks up Juju Schuster. Juju, right? Juju's good Pittsburgh. from Pitt, and yeah. he was hurt. We take out the injured year and his numbers before that were really good. Yes. I think that's a great yeah, Juju's sign. A, a solid pickup. Um, even Scantling, who was with the Packers for a while, um, I don't think he ever really reached his full potential despite having Aaron Rodgers there. I think because of the receivers in front of him, maybe. But I mean, I think he's going to be a good a good overall player too. And then you obviously have Travis Kelsey, who's who's you know the best tight end in football, Man. Um, probably, and he's he's unbelievable. They are absolutely loaded. And uh, before we hop into baseball, because there's there's a lot to hop into, what do you think of the uh, Notre Dame loss at, at, at South Bend? I mean, come well, on. Well, I think he's the first coach to ever start off with three straight losses, counting the last game last year. And he uh, seems like a kind of guy you, you would root for and all that stuff. But Notre yeah. Dame evidently just doesn't have uh, the horses that uh, everybody projected. Oh, oh, oh they that. got the horses. Yeah, they because got, even they got the five-star picks out. Coach, yeah. Uh, yeah, and here's the ironic part. They get beat the first week, but they still kept their number eight rating in, yeah. in the thing. But then last week, they're, now they're out of the top 25 for the first time in quite a, long, quite it, a while. It really shows emotionally what happens when a bunch of 19, 20-year-olds uh, buckle up and go out and play Ohio State. Um, and they played well you know, for most of the game defensively, and they're competing. And you know, if they got a couple breaks, it would have been in the fourth quarter game. Um, and you lose that very emotional game that you've looked forward to on the off season, and then you got to come home and play a team that's pesky, and you're a twenty point favorite. So Vegas is telling you it's over. And from the very beginning, Marshall had their way. You know, the quarterback doesn't miss. They they tackle. Uh, they give up size on the offensive defensive line. That just can't happen. And the C sweeters. In South Bend, that does not sit well at all. I mean, the downside pressure on a loss like that, what do you think, bud? I mean, that's that's brutal for the coach. Yeah, it, it looks pretty bad on, on the on the on the new coach. Pretty pretty awful turnout to do. I'm not surprised because I feel like every year Notre Dame does this, they fall apart in some way. But they don't lose the Marshall. They shouldn't lose the Marshall, no. <laughs> but they always seem to fall apart at some point in their season. And they just did it earlier this year, so I'm not surprised because I'm u- I'm so used to watching this happen to them. But this one was worse than anyone probably expected it could be. If you checked their 21 schedule at home, it escapes me at the moment. I should have this, but there was a three point win over a team similar, you know, and they 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 won at the very end, and they were a 20 point uh, favorite. Uh, so they do let down, uh, and that does speak to coaching. You got to keep the you know, the kids emotionally at game, you know, level, mentality-wise. Um, but it, you see it every week where a team checks out, and all of a sudden the fourth quarter it's a close game, and then it's an intercept, a fumble, turnover, you know, punt, um, and it's you lose. And those kids are juiced. That makes their whole season, you oh, know, if you can Mar- beat a Notre oh, Dame. Oh, you know. it's Marshall's. <laughs> it's Marshall's Super Bowl in college. I mean, you could just see, and the coach was so – when he was interviewed after the game, you're, I couldn't wait to see how he's going to handle himself. You just beat Notre Dame in South Bend. How are you going to? How are you going to? You know, conduct. And he was just very uh, you know, gracious and poised, giving all the right credit to, to everyone. 
And uh, but you, in the background, you saw the players jumping on each other, and the fans interacting with the players. It's a beautiful thing. If that's not the epitome of of great sports, even though I hate to see Notre Dame lose at home to twenty point underdog. You know what it reminded me of too? Do you remember years back where Marshall had the plane crash and her entire team and so forth? So no, that I, was in I, my mind. I did block on that. Yeah, yeah. That, that did happen. I did block on that. But um, yeah, it was just uh, you know <laughs> Notre Dame at home is a twenty point favorite. We switch it over to baseball. Uh, Wiz, what are we? Where are we going here? Yeah, why don't we give a quick update on Aaron Judge because he's something that you know when you're watching history, I feel like we have to do it each week. Yeah, it only takes a, a minute here. So there's 20 games remaining for the Yankees. Judge he continues to get better. He is now on track for 65 home runs. If you've listened each week, previously it was 63 for a while. Last week it was 64. Now he's on track for 65. That means he's hitting ahead of schedule. And he currently has 57 home runs, and he's continued his dominance. He's hitting 487 in September with a 580 on base percentage. 487 this month. That's over 51 plate appearances. He has 19 hits, 10 walks, 6 home runs. And here's what's crazy. Judge had an unbelievable first half of the season, but his second half is even better. He's hitting 360 in the second half. He's a 500 on base percentage and a 1.33 OPS over 220 plate appearances. Yeah, that is just remarkable. How how much better he's gotten. Wow, is the word. If, Which, if Judge was 24, 25 years old doing this, he'd he'd get a 500 million dollar contract. He may anyway. He may anyway. At 30 years old now, I guess what they could give him a seven eight year deal if they really want to do as long hey, as possible. Albert Pujols. Yeah. <laughs> if Judge could have seen his numbers when he told the Yankees, "No thanks, I'll just play it out." That if four ten six seven nine, one oh nine oh two oh five OPS plus, you got to go back and start looking at Babe Ruth and, and those seasons at two oh five plus OPS. That's insane. Total base leader. He does everything. And you know, here's something I found last night. I always like to bring new value to the show. So I did some research. You, you may think, well, Judge can't play defense. How about this? In all chances in 2018, three hours. In 21, three hours. In 2019, 20, and 22, zip. Zero hours. Okay? So you're talking about six hours over the last five seasons in 906 chances. 25 assists, plus 63 R-tot, which is fantastic. That's run saved. One measurement of run saved. And a 206 zone coverage chance and assist, which actually is way better than Clemente and Callison. I mean, so you can't say he's a big guy that could really hit. He's a big guy that plays all facets of Major League Baseball unbelievably well. I want to throw this in. I did a little research this week. Babe Ruth, in a 12-year period, I don't get into anything besides these three things. He averaged 347 with 47 home runs and 145 RBIs for a 12-year period. Those. And you used to seeing that chubby guy run around yeah. the bases, whatever. Insane. Pretty fantastic. Yeah, those are only stats on, on when you look at Ted Williams and Stan Musial and you see 
485 on base percentages and 549. It just defies reality. Now, different game, you know, modern baseball. I go back to about the 70s and pre-70s. I see a, a total change in everything, you know. But oddly enough, when you do Major League Baseball macro stats, you're just talking about macro stats. You're talking about runs scored, strikeouts, bud, time of game. Go all the way back 100 years. Do you know it's remarkable that each team is scoring like 4.2 runs per game and it's never changed, Coach? Is that right? It's never changed. That, that is amazing. 100 years, baseball is identical. And you can throw. Except yeah. more strikeouts. Strikeouts. And Ben, you can throw out, well, there weren't lights in back in the dead ball era, but that's amazing that it's the same. 4.2, 4.5, because that adds up to 9. You don't get to 10 because there's, there's not – you can't name 5.5 offenses, right? There's one or two each year. So it's always going to be in that range of 3.9 to 4.4. Four. So baseball hasn't changed a smidgen in 100 years net run results How about that i don't think you're hearing that here i don't know if you're going to hear that anywhere else you probably, probably won't well you'll hear it on major league baseball it's about wednesday of next week <laughs> okay. it seems to be a pattern we'll see how many yeah. people are there listening it, yeah well, we seem to have a pattern here by wednesday we start to hear mike trout's all muscle well, we, we coined that here like what uh how about my boy joey menendez how you pronounce it the kid that was 12 years in the minors played like nine thousand games gets called up by the nats 30 years old first time up to the majors and he put up some numbers the first couple of weeks everybody said it was a fluke well update 36 games 150 at bats 329 355 57 907 Kid's still hitting, man. Ever since you brought him up before, I've we followed him. We made him hit. And he's very impressive at the plate. Very aggressive. I have not seen him. Yeah. Good command of the plate? Yes. He impressed me very much. Somebody took the Grom deep last night. Second deck. Really? First time. That doesn't run. happen much. Yeah. Um, next next year, there's some new rules coming to the MLB. Got to talk about that. Yep. Banning the shift. Uh, so here's the new shift rule. There's a shift rule, a pitch clock, and the bases are some of the big the big things here. With the shift, all four infielders must have both feet entirely on the infield dirt when when the pitcher's on the rubber, and you need two infielders on either side of second base. Failure to comply is a result, it is a result of an automatic ball, and you can't move like your best fielder to a different like you can't put your shortstop in, in you know some weird second base and move your second base to short. You can't really do that. So you need two, two infielders on either side of the base, and all of them have to be on the dirt. I don't I don't like this rule. Um, I'm, I've been pretty vocal. I think a lot of us have on, on, on the shift impact or, or lack of, in, in my opinion. But even just limiting them to the infield dirt, I feel like isn't isn't right. Because I think with some guys, you look at like Jose Bautista, Ryan Howard, you want to play four or five feet into that grass for, I mean, for good reason, how hard those guys hit the ball and, you know, give them their... Some of their slower, slower speed guys. You, it's a, it's advantageous to play a couple extra feet into the grass there to give yourself some more range. You know, you saw you have the arm to throw them out. And now they're taking that away. Um, I don't know if, if that's like a hard rule or not, but it says both feet entirely on the infield dirt. So you can't even back a foot up. Which Chad, I still think though you're going to have a second baseman or a shortstop within one or two feet of second base. They'll still with cover. If your point is, will they cover the middle? Absolutely. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. 
you know, you invent a rule and Major League Baseball or any professional level sports finds a way to defeat the rule, okay? Will baseball teams shift an outfielder to the fifth infield position? I don't know if you if you can do that. I'm not talking about the grass, uh, dirt. I'm talking about in the grass. All right, let me ask you this, too. I mean, the I, deep grass. If you, like, shallow if, right field. If you, know, if you know a Ryan Howard's up, why not take your left fielder and I throw, have not him, read throw a word. in right, in right field? If you, shallow grass. If somebody has heard or read about my question, please, 609-828-5569, text or call. My question is to the baseball world, if I take a, a, one of my outfielders and Howard's up, Howard-type hitter is up, and I put him in short right field, not the infield, why can't I play my outfielder in a pocket in short right field. That's not the infield. Now, it should be allowed because, conversely, I now only have two outfielders to cover the whole outfield. So that that's allowed, right? But that is the shift element. Now, how about this? In my old mind, I'm just thinking, when the pitcher releases the ball. They'll move. That guy who's only this far from the outfield grass might retreat. Uh, they'll yeah, five, yeah, six I steps. would. Yeah. I definitely would, especially if there's no one on base and you have a couple extra seconds. I would be way back there if you've got a big hitter up. I mean, you're playing second, and why not? They're Give saying yourself a, ch- a better chance. Yeah, you're still going to be facing the batter. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the guys on Major League Baseball are saying that question was raised. That's going to prove costly. So that's cheating. So Boa said that when Carlton threw a certain pitch, Boa was off. And he says, because lefty always put it on that spot, he told me at lunch. So that's part of his great assist, that second-best Ozzie Smith, because he knew what Schmidt was going to get, and he knew where his pitchers were going to throw the ball. Bo was leaning, which is kind of like selling out, but if you're leaning right, like stealing a base, and you know, you're correct a lot, that first step is everything. It's everything in sports, right? I mean, guys that are kids that are cemented to the ground don't get to balls. You've got to be fleet of foot, wait forward, now, that was also move, Utley's moving on the pitch. We're going to see a lot more of that, Chad. They oh, have yeah. no choice. Oh, yeah, we're going to see a lot more of it. So the net effect you maintain is the batting average is going to stay the same. We want to be on record to your research, bud. In, in my opinion, the batting averages will remain very similar. If I don't think you'll see any material change in the batting averages. And what you... Because what I think is that just as many flu kits that are given up through the shift, like a dribbler down the third base line, I think the shift it kind of nets out where it, it saves you just as much as it kind of hurts you. Um, now, the only, I guess, pushback to that is, well, why does every team continue to shift? That They should know that. And, and I don't know. But I don't I don't think we're going to see a huge change in, in, in the batting averages. I really don't. We didn't see it last year uh, when they did it in the minor leagues. So I guess time will tell. I mean, but this time next year, we'll have All a really right, good idea Jimmy, whether we're right or wrong. Can we timestamp this day? What is it, the 14th today? 9-14-22 at, uh, at, at 10 something or other. What is it, Al? 11 o'clock. 11.05. Oh, God. Uh, so the whiz kid has said that the current batting average, which is 243 for Major League Baseball today, this time next year will be between 241 and 245. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are. Roughly. I mean, if that's the numbers, then yeah. yeah. I, would say, yeah I mean, I think we're at 243. I don't think you're going to see 240 to 250. 
That's right. what I was no, going to say. Give, give Chad the leeway you know, there. If it's Chad. 240, could it get the 246? That's not really a huge change. How about the clock? But We're all okay with the clock if they're going to I think the it. clock's great. So right. the clock rule is once the ball is ready for play, the pitcher must begin his motion within 15 seconds with the bases empty or 20 seconds if a runner's on. Right. The batter must be in the box and alert to the pitcher, not cleaning, you know, moving his feet around, doing his, doing his gloves, alert to the pitcher within eight seconds of the timer starting. If the pitcher's late, automatic ball. The batter's late, automatic strike. So there are penalties here. And then the pitcher may only disengage from the rubber no more than twice per plate appearances. I do like that. And um, there is a 30-second limit on both mound visits and the time between batters, which hopefully will be very... Hopefully they'll enforce that because that comes down to the, the umpires enforce that. Yeah. And lastly, the last rule is... or well, major thing, I guess, is the bases. The bases are actually increasing... From I think they're increasing about forty five percent up to eighteen inch bags. Yep, Fifteen, eighteen. Yep. So that's a pretty big increase right there. And that's really just to you know protection. Look at guys who get spiked and their hands get caught in there. Uh, I think so. I think I don't think that's a bad a bad rule by any means. I don't think you'll see a major change in like stolen base percentage. I did. I do wish that they did the softball rule with the double bag just for player safety. It had the inside bag there you can run into at first. But um, at least for now, they're doing bigger bases, which may help a little bit. You just brought up the word softball, and Major League Baseball probably doesn't want too much softball talk, number one, comparison by comparison of. And uh, the doesn't look so good, doesn't look so hot. The larger base does a lot of things, in my opinion. Safety for sure. I'm all about that. Although I don't recall seeing a heck of a lot of bad episodes at first base, but I'm sure there are. Uh, I like the, the the extra inches on both sides for higher, you know, uh, successful stolen base percentage. Um, getting the second on the double, I mean, getting home, you're always going to get that extra advantage, right? Uh, and it, le- it, it it leads to more offense, and that's what they're desperately looking for, more runs. They want to change, Coach, that 100-year stat that I gave you Basically, baseball is saying that, you know, we, we want more of that. Uh, they want less strikeouts. They're not going to get that. They're not going to get that. Uh, but they definitely want a shorter game, and they're going to get that by about 25 minutes. So I'm all for it. Had you told me that, I'm 68. If you told me that just five years ago, that I would have voted for the shift, I would have said, you absolutely positively don't know me, not at all, on any day. Uh, but you got to do something. You have to do something to try. And I kind of agree with, uh, with with Chad. Watching the game very closely now, I notice all the balls that get through because of the shift. And every time it happens, I'll say, I'll text Chad. There's another one. There's another one. It, it happens frequently. And so we'll see what the trade-off is. You know, they got their numbers. Yeah, well, I'm watching. I'm watching games. Excuse me, and you, you see a shot go right by the pitcher's leg. You figure it's the center field, and there's that second baseman just can't yeah. what happened throwing you out. To oh. your former point, and I'm sorry, but I'll go right to you. But to your former point, where I see the most amount of plays, and the guy for the Marlins last night smokes one, and right up the middle, we're playing him. I saw it yesterday in a Toronto uh, Tampa game, but a bullet. With two men on, there's the second baseman standing right over the bag, deep over the second base bag. You're still going to see middle outs. That's where they're taking hitters are taught to try to hit the pitcher. 
hit the ball through the middle, and you avoid slumps. That's what the good hitters like Pete Rose trying to they're still going to take away the middle hits. So we'll see. But shorter game, I'm all for. I don't mind the base enlargement. Uh, let's see if they actually enforce the clock and the batter in and all. You know, pitchers are very nuanced. Well, they they got to enforce it. If they oh, I hope so. It. I hope that they don't make a farce out of it. Farce, yeah. Somebody come up with some way of beating the system. Chet? So the last thing I wanted to add in here was that um, – the, the four players that are on the MLB competition committee, which I think, I don't know how that relates to like what gets passed and whatnot, but the four players voted against banning the shift yeah. or implementing a pitch clock. So the players weren't yeah. even here saying ban it. They voted against banning right. it, but the MLB still said, no, we're going to ban it. Yeah. A um, couple things. Uh, what's the playoff picture look like? Uh, Bud, can you give us a quick... Uh, so this is trial? this is really really fascinating, especially for the Phillies, which is you know, obviously important to us. If you look at the playoffs right now, here's here's kind of what it looks like. Jimmy, we'll be able to get this on our good, beautiful. Everybody will see this. Good, good All right, work. So, so here's what happens good now. Work. The first round of the playoffs. Now it's the wild card round. That's a best of three. And as of today, in the NL, what you would have the Dodgers are the one seed. They get a buy. The Mets currently a two seed. They get a buy. The Cardinals are a three seed. And they play the Padres a six seed. The winner plays the Mets. All games at their home field. All three games there. Are they? I yep. don't know. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. Even more so then. Yep. So Atlanta, the four seed, plays the Phillies, the five seed. And then the winner plays the Dodgers. Again, right now. Now, here are some really fascinating matchups in the NL. The Braves are half a game behind the Mets. So they're fighting for the critical two seed. The two seed gets a buy. So right now, the Mets are the two seed. They get a buy. But if the Braves you know, win tonight and the Mets lose, the, the Atlanta's the two, now goes up to that two-seed spot, and they get the buy. So that's going to be really important to, to track if Atlanta can win that division over the Mets. Now, I personally think the Phillies are better off having the sixth seed, which is what the Padres are currently. No doubt about because that. Because that means our matchup, as of today, would be the Cardinals and then the Mets. Now... As of the current five seed, we have to face the Braves, then the Dodgers. Now, none of this is ideal. <laughs> no, that's because for sure. we've struggled more against the Mets. We're five and fourteen against the Mets this year. I'll still play them. But we've done we're six and six against the Braves, but we have seven more games Before against the Atlanta Harris, this season. And Grissom and Strider, but go ahead. Well, we're still six and six. I and mean, the five and fourteen is terrible against the Mets regardless. Nope. That's not getting that's not changing. Nope. But in my opinion, you would still rather not play. I think I think the most obvious answer is don't play the Dodgers. You want to avoid them as much as possible. And in that case, if they're the one seed, you don't want to be the five seed because the winner of the five versus four plays the Dodgers. They're, they're the guaranteed one seed. And, and assuming something crazy doesn't happen, you don't want to play them. Great catch, great frame, good information. Wiz. Nobody else has put it out this week that I've seen. I've watched a lot of baseball shows. By the way, on this podcast... In the very beginning of the season and last year, and they were talking about the new format for the for getting away that ridiculous. Oh my lord! Don't get me started on that one game playing that ninety-two win team is out in nine innings because the other pitcher threw a five hitter. You know, uh, don't even get me started. Baseball knew it was bad. Baseball reacted to that. Thank God. All right, now you have a fair chance. Okay, a, a pitcher can't beat you in one game. That's ridiculous. Um, but everybody said, oh, the extra wild card team is so bad for baseball because it's going to be a 500 team or maybe even worse, a sub-500 team. Coach, 
And I did the research back then, and I saw that had you done that, retrofit it, it would have been an 8 over 500 team. But to my former point, as the balance of baseball extrapolates itself, for lack of a better word, okay, uh, you'll have even higher records over 500 at the expense of the teams that are tanking and ridiculously bad records that you haven't had before. True to form this year, look at the teams playing 300-level baseball, okay? So the teams are 10 games over 500. They're good teams. You have a heck of a September run here because of it, right? You have a lot of excitement. Yeah. Now, I I don't think that the wild card series should be a best of three. Like, I don't think it's fair to look at the Cardinals or the Braves with a three and four seed and say, go take your best of three. I guess if they're all home, though, it helps. I'd rather see a best of five, but but, but it was one, it but it was a one game playing. Yeah, I'd rather see a best of five, though, for the first oh, okay. two rounds and then yeah, seven. I agree. I um, agree. But if you go over the AL now, so the AL, um, it's still there's there's one close race. The Astros are currently the one seed. They're going to get a bye. The Yankees are a two seed. They get a bye. Now, the Guardians are the three seed. They play the Mariners, the six seed, and the winner plays the Yankees. The Blue Jays, the four seed, will play the Rays, the five seed, winner plays the Astros. This is really important because the Rays are 79 and 62, and they are just behind Toronto, which is 80 and 62. Now, the winner there, that that critical four seed, will get home field advantage for that series. So the Blue Jays and the Rays is oh, going to yeah. be a really fascinating end of the end of the season push to have that better record while the guardians and mariners uh not not quite not quite as volatile there so that's kind of what the playoffs are looking like right now the phillies in in some sense they need to determine do we want to play the combination of dodgers atlanta or mets st louis as it is now and just kind of adjust Pick that but poison it's very possible this the Phillies should be resting players later in yeah, the year but they're not going to do it but they're strategically that's what they probably should do yeah but they won't do it yeah harken back to when the Phillies should have lost the land and not let the cardinals in the cardinals not come out around one but our, our coach wanted to go for a win record so we got his 102 wins and we got knocked out in round one by the cardinals that we let in so I don't think that was amazing. Change. I was looking at some stuff the other day. The Phillies since June first are twenty five games over five hundred. They're fifty eight and thirty three, and only the Braves and Dodgers have better records in that that's, time period. That's a good ad, Coach. That's a good catch, man. I did I did not see that particular over number since the date, but yeah. twenty five over five hundred. Yeah, as of last night, that got unless them. we have other business, any other housekeeping issues before we get to rants, are we? Up to date. We have one thing on, on yep, Mike Trout yep. we definitely want to touch on. Yeah, wrap that up before I go here. So Trout just ended a streak of seven consecutive games with a home run. This may surprise you because I don't think everyone even knows that Trout came back from his injury. And he's actually having a fantastic season when he's been playing. Toronto, oh, sorry, not Toronto. Trout was the first AL player with a seven-game home run streak since the Toronto Blue Jays player Kendris Morales did it in 2018. Um, Trout was trying to become the fourth player in MLB history to hit a home run in eight consecutive games, uh, which was done by Dale Long, Don Maddenly, and Ken Griffey Jr. It didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> he fell just a little short. But uh, so, um, yeah, he, he's been great, though. If you look at Trout's like efficiency when he's been playing and healthy this year, his numbers are, are really fantastic. So, uh, where's his stop? I had all stop three, of, I had all three of them, but I have one little thing I can add. Dale Long was a left-handed throwing catcher. How about that? How about that? You don't see that much. Yeah, before wow. we go to rants, uh, not to bring the house down here, um, 
Anthony Varvero, Port, Port Authority police officer, had the assignment at the World Trade Towers, um, had played in Major League Baseball, went to St. John's, played, played for Coach Blankmeyer, who I met and sort of knew at Seton Hall. We were the same year uh, and in the, in the dorm and saw him a lot down in the cafeteria, talked a lot. I was out with the baseball team as a walk-on freshman year. And Blankmeyer broke a stolen base record at the time um, with Rico Bellini and Rick Cerrone. It was, that was a hell of a team at Seton Hall. So he plays for Coach Blankmeyer, um, does terrific, gets drafted, played for several teams in, in the major leagues, uh, Detroit and Boston, and uh, had to have surgery and decided that the doctors were telling him it was very difficult. Elbow surgery was very difficult for him to get on the path back to Major League Baseball. And his lifelong dream was to be a police officer. Took the test, did well, uh, ended up working for the Port Authority and getting um, the job at the, at the memorial site. Dream come true. Um, great mentor to, to kids. Great citizen. Great dad. Great friend. Great teammate. And uh, was going up to the 9-11 um, services in Manhattan and was killed by a wrong-way driver. Four kids, uh, just an unbelievable citizen role model. Uh, Coach Blankmeyer said it better than I am. These tragedies happen. This guy gave up his entire life for others. And... Uh, we just keep him in our his family and our thoughts and our prayers. What a tragic situation with four kids, and uh, what a what a legacy, you know. So we switch off of that, but we have a, a warm thought. And we send our condolences. Rest in peace. Yes, God bless rest you. in peace. Yep. Yep. We rant and rave. What do we got, Coach? Pick it back up. Well, I got the Eagles. The win <laughs> is fantastic, but I'm going to throw a couple things in here. One, they had one sack. Now, last year, they finished 29th in the league with sacks. So they had 29. They ranked 31st in the league. So that wasn't an improvement yet. I don't know what we're going to get out of Brendan Graham, and then the other end just went down, so we'll see how that works out. But why does it take so long in the Eagles' history through Reed and this and that to get a play in? They had two delayed games. How many times did you see Hertz getting down to one, two, and you're saying, get the ball off. You're talking to the TV. So it's got to be a communication problem. And this week they've talked about it's at Sirianni, the offensive coordinator. Maybe Howie had some input. Very poor communication. Got to address that. Yeah, I'm going to pass on my rant right now. I'm still thinking about my last bit. Um, so uh, I've sort of been demuted for it right now. So I'm just going to pass to you. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, well, I will rant on the Phillies. I'm sorry, rave on the Phillies because right now we have a 95% chance to make the playoffs and we're going to break the longest streak in the NL, an embarrassing streak that no one wants to have, the, the drought. We haven't made the playoffs in 10 or 11 seasons now. And we're going to break it this year. We're making the playoffs. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll surprise some people, win, win some games. Anything can happen in the playoffs. So my, my rave is to the Phillies for, for battling back in what was a really tough start of the season. Yeah. They battle back. They have been one of the best teams, as Coach Al just pointed out, over the past couple months. And now here we are. We can get healthy and get, get everyone moving. 
as we go into the last few weeks of the season here, we could definitely beat some teams in the playoffs. Yeah, if they get that leadoff batter straightened out. It's gotten worse since last week, okay? I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's inexplicable now. I've given um, up on that. Yeah, Hope. I mean, I guess, right? <laughs> but, I mean, playoff baseball, regardless of where you got to play, it's fun. September uh, stretch drives are fun. Meaningful baseball games are a blast. Uh, hey, it's the American dream, right? Business, pursuit of happiness, Major League Baseball, even though football puts a lot of pressure on baseball. Even last year with these fantastic endings of games, I can't get over it. They're, they're like, there's four. Eight of them. <laughs> it's hard to find one in baseball that's like 9-8 and it went back and forth and they scored three in the bottom of the ninth. Football just mass produces great endings. I guess that's a rave, huh? Baseball, but, America's game. What was it? Ice cream, apple yeah, pie, and Chevrolet. I mean, I, I love it. <laughs> I mean, there's things that happen in baseball and they give it to us every day 162 times. So it always be my number one pick. But watching pro and college football, Saturday watching the elite teams with 100,000 fans and the kids with the face paint and the band and all. How do you beat that, man? I mean, that's my Saturday. How do they get a hold of us, Wiz? Well, uh, you can check us out on our website, speakingofsportspod.com. You can also get us on Twitter. We're the Speaking of Sports Podcast. Our handle speak underscore of underscore sports. Send us an email if you want, speakingofsportspod at gmail.com. Or you can also get us on Facebook if you look up Speaking of Sports on YouTube. Go to Wildfire Podcasting. You'll find us. So you'll find us, us, and other clips under the Wildfire uh, name on there for their shows. And uh, I think you'll definitely enjoy. You know, whatever way you want to watch, I think you'll enjoy the show. And make sure you subscribe and follow for more. I had over twenty-five texts about. Would love to help you with the podcast subscription. We tried, but it's confusing. How does one? subscribe to our show i should be able to answer that but i am not subscribed to the show i should take, shame on i you. should take the letterhead <laughs> off the wall and back of me i'm asking people to subscribe at least for that segment so i said to the family at dinner the other night is anybody subscribed there's nine people out of mo for nine are you subscribed i i am okay I i'm am sorry one out of what a day so we're all going to subscribe but so anyway. if you have an apple phone or any of you guys' podcast platforms, all pretty similar. I go to my Apple podcast. You search Speaking of Sports. That's going to k- pop up. You're then going to just click on the uh, top right. There's a little plus button that says stay up to date. You click on that, and then, boom, the show is added to your library, and you're now going to be notified once new episodes come out. So the other simple, question was, simple as that. should we subscribe if we're loving it on Facebook, which everybody I know is watching on Facebook, does it matter? Do we need them? We still need the subscriptions for whatever purposes, but our Facebook numbers are going through the roof, and everybody's loving watching the show versus listening to the show. I mean, whatever way you do want to you watch, want, right? No, yeah. do, do what you want. If you want to, I mean, if you're in the car, naturally, you don't want to be doing Facebook. You want to check out the podcast platform right. there. Right. But if you're at home and over dinner, you casually put on our show on Facebook yep. or YouTube because that's a great and dinner. By the way, dinner entertainment. If Go you for think it. forty-five minute show is too long, and I know we ran over today, but we had a lot of stuff today. But Jimmy's shaking his head like, "Oh, it's really good. put the thing on speed." My buddy Pete said he puts the podcast 
on speed up. Yeah, you can do that. And mm. he hears the whole show in like 20 minutes. It must make me talk faster. Than really talk oh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can I, do, I think you can do one and a half or two times speed on, on uh, most most platforms. Yeah, so we'll be back next week on Friday. Friday. We should be back Friday. I like 23rd. Wednesday shows midweek very much. Enjoy football. Enjoy college football. Enjoy baseball. Enjoy this unbelievable weather. Do something. Get out. You know, play golf. Just enjoy the family, man. This was a great week. Jimmy, as always, thanks for everything. You're the best. Coach, it's always fun. Working with my son, what a blast. It's a good life. God bless everybody. Yep, everybody give us a listen or a look in and have a great day. Make it happen.